Today's episode is brought to you by Timber Investments. They buy properties in any condition. They are a local Wisconsin group of real estate investors specializing in the Appleton, Fox Cities, Oshkosh, and all surrounding areas. They're looking to help you out by buying your home for cash as is. Ask yourself these questions. Are you in foreclosure or about to be? Do you own an unwanted rental property? Do you have tenants that are a pain in your ass that you can't get rid of? Are you looking to relocate and need to offload your home ASAP? If you answered yes to any of these, they can help you. Reach out to Timber Investments today and let them help you take control of your situation. Hi, true crime family. I'm K Mac. And I'm the answer. And this is Bad Human, a true crime podcast where we discuss those humans residing at the bottom of the morality bell curve. Before we get started today, we have a review. Oh boy. Yay. Erica, thank you for leaving your review on Apple Podcasts. The review says, I absolutely love this podcast. It's got just the right amount of funny mixed with crazy to make it pop. I am already waiting new episodes to drop as I binge the first five in one day. (laughs) Thank you, Erica. Hey, that's awesome. We appreciate it. We do. And as a reminder, if you submit a review on Apple Podcasts and we read your review, you can win some bad human swag. So Erica, if you're listening, reach out to our email link in bio and we'll confirm how to get your very own bad human hoodie into your true crime loving mitts. Boom. Who doesn't love a free hoodie, everybody? Or some swag. The case I have for you today, which actually real quick. So I'm very excited because tomorrow is my birthday. And the answer comes home today with nothing for me but bought himself a pellet grill. Okay, so the other day I saw it on clearance. It was a great price. I was like, you know, I was going to get it, but, you know, my wife is a voice of reason. We don't need it, whatever. I get home. I tell her this, and what were your exact words? We never had this conversation. Oh, what? You are such a liar. You're like, well, buy it. Go ahead. Go ahead and get it, honey. Nothing says happy birthday like me buying something for myself. where's, Where's that meme that says it's a trap? Oh, yeah, don't worry. There's yeah nothing planned for the wifey for her birthday. If you live in the Fox Cities area, check Marketplace tomorrow. There will be a great deal on a pellet grill up for purchase. The case I have for you today takes us back to 1947. Wow. When a beautiful young woman just trying to start her acting career is violently murdered and mutilated only to be found cut in half in an abandoned parking lot by a mother and her three-year-old daughter. The case remains unsolved to this day, although there have been plenty of conspiracy theories and suspects. I believe it. This is the case of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. Before we begin, every trigger warning. Every the end. Tr- oh my god, every? Every trigger warning. Just assume that this shit's going to get shady. I was researching this and had to like turn the lights on and remind myself that I'm in a safe space because it's, it's a really creepy case and it's very... It, it gave me like hair standing up that, in the back of my neck. All right, then, I, then I'm all ears because I know if it's 
gonna get you that way, then it's gonna be good. It, it, well, it is. not good, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's gonna be very. This uh, is intense. Intention and attention getting. Yes. At around 10 a.m. on January 15, 1947, Betty Bursinger was pushing her three-year-old daughter in a stroller through the Limit Park section. I think I said that right. Of South <laughs> LA, on their way to pick up her husband's shoes that were being fixed. What a good job. Oh my God, back. That's just funny. Back in the day, getting your shoes fixed. Well, women still, like, people still get heels fixed on their shoes. Well, yeah, but stuff. you don't hear about that you as wear, much. You've worn the same shoes for like 10 years. So you you don't, you're. I wish I could, I wish, I wish I could hang on to a pair for 10 years. Fixed. On this walk, something caught her eye amid the weedy <laughs> vacant lots. Your fashion, you wear the oh, same. Stop food, it! You wear the same Foo Fighter T-shirt <laughs> everywhere. The people probably think that we don't have any money. The one were, that you got me. Well, people it, are like, "Why the hell are you giving away those hoodies?" Sounds like homeboy needs yeah. some new clothing. If you look good in something, you wear it. Am I right? Okay. Nobody's answering. Well, even the dog just walked upstairs. What she first thought was a mannequin, given how it was posed with the upper and lower body completely detached. I made the mistake of Googling images of this case because I was looking for photos of the victim of Elizabeth. There are some very graphic photos. And when we get to the, the actual crime and what was done to her, you're going you're gonna to have a hard time sleeping tonight. Great. What Betty first thought was a mannequin, she quickly learned was a human corpse who would later be identified as Elizabeth Short. This murder is still one of Hollywood's most brutal and notoriously unsolved cases to this day. Wow. The problem with these cases, too, these cold cases that are so old... Oh, yeah. ...is you have literally people dying that were a part of it. You lose a lot of facts. You think like anybody that data. knows really, really good information has since... It's also sad when on. families pass away without closure. Yep. I, th I think that's terrible. That's probably the worst part, actually. Elizabeth Short was born July 29th, 1924 in Hyde Park, Massachusetts. Oh, so she was young. She was 22 when Ooh. she died. Yeah. She was the daughter of Phoebe and Cleo Short. Although her legal name was Elizabeth Short, many called her Betty. And as she grew up, she preferred to be called Beth. So for the rest <laughs> of this case, we'll refer to her as Beth, as she preferred to yeah. be called. In 1929, her father disappeared. Many believed he had committed suicide since his empty car was found near a bridge. This was also during one of the worst stock market crashes. Oh, yeah. People thought maybe that had something to do with him committing suicide. Little did he know that 2022 would be a fucking train wreck also in the stock market. Everyone will get through this together. Just don't check your 401ks right now. Hopefully you're not retiring in the next year. Many years later, he sent a letter to his wife apologizing for abandoning the family Phoebe said, go fuck yourself. You're not allowed to come home anyhow. Like a letter? Yeah. I guess it is like 19, what, 1920s? Yeah, it's not like he sent an email. Yeah. You can't really <laughs> send someone. He's sending a, the Morse code. <laughs> go on Instacart and send her some cheese and a, oh, a bottle of wine. Sorry. I paid bit. the milkman extra to give you a second yeah. uh, jug of milk. Beth grew up to become a beautiful teenager. She's gorgeous. I'll show you pictures and we'll also post some. Um, on our Instagram page, she looked way older than her age. She was very sophisticated. She also really loved to go to movies with her mother, which would catapult her dream of becoming an actress. Okay. Apologies for being a mouth breather today. I have a head cold, and so and it's not COVID, 
but I'm having a hard time catching my breath, so I know I sound like a mouth breather. No apologies. At age 19, Beth decided to move to Vallejo, California to live with her dad. He had made a deal with her that if she would help around the house with the cleaning, the cooking, all the things women are supposed to do, hashtag feminism, that she could come live with him. It, it was the it was the 40s. Doesn't matter. He even gave her about 800 bucks to help her with the move, which I looked it up and that's like 10 grand now. Oh, oh, sign me up. Cleo was doing okay with that cash money. This little arrangement did not last very long, however. About three weeks after she rolled up, her dad was like, you got to go because you're lazy and you stay out and party all the time. Well, she was 19. There wasn't a lot of baking and cleaning. It's called being a teenager, Cleo. She's 19 years old. What do you expect? Given that she was already in Northern California, so Vallejo is in NorCal, closer to San Francisco in that area. Okay. She figured why not truck it down to SoCal and see if she could make it at an acting career. Okay. Well, she had ten grand to her name from her. Did she get cash in hand right away? The eight hundred dollars. I don't know. I mean, he didn't because, like, her because that didn't exist. Then I don't know. Because I was going to say, if she got the money right away and then was lazy, he should have waited a little bit. Maybe so he that, gave her like a bond. I, I have no idea. Oh, bond still be worth something. I don't today. know. Remember, bonds don't lose value. Beth landed near Santa Barbara, and it was here she got into a little trouble with the law. Hmm. She got an underage drinking ticket. And was arrested and fingerprinted, and police instructed her to return back home to Boston. Oh. While being out in California, at one point she had gone back for a visit to to Boston to see her family. She was determined, though, that she wanted to make it in Hollywood. She stayed home for a few days and... (laughs) I tailed it back out. Flew flew back west, or drove, or however, took a horse. Train. Model T. It has not been determined if her nickname, the Black Dahlia, was given to her before or after her death. Some say that her pale white skin, she wore black all the time, a lot of lace, lacy clothing, maybe that led to the moniker. Others believe that it was applied um, by journalists to sensationalize the crime. Oh, so even, we love we all love a good nickname to a so crime, even, right? The Zodiac oh yeah, Killer. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess even Jack back the then. Ripper, even BTK, back you know, the Hillside Strangler. She could go on, folks, for hours. Excited. Nicknames. Just the usual suspects. Just just our, our wedding guest list. <laughs> Beth was staying. No at one the came. Bil- Beth had been visiting San Diego and met a gentleman named Red Manley. Red was his nickname. They drove back from San Diego together, and she was staying at the Biltmore Hotel in L.A., she had started to think about moving back to Massachusetts, A, because when she got that ticket, the law had told her. Oh, okay. She had to. Also, I think she was kind of in limbo about, am I going to make it here? Do I go? So on the fence about what to do. So she was staying at the Biltmore Hotel. Red dropped her off, and they waited in the lobby. Friends were supposed to come to meet her. They never showed up. So around 6.30, he finally decided that he had to go. He also was married. <laughs> Maybe it was time to go home to your family. I don't know. He also claimed that he could help her with her career, you know, the whole oh, casting sure couch situation. Oh, yeah. Red was just trying to get laid. Well, with a name like Red Manley, it sh- shouldn't be hard. like a stripper. Oh, well, he could have been, a but I'm just star. saying that that type of name. You know, Finally, around 630, he departed and left her there. She walked him out of the hotel onto the street. This was January 9th, 1947, and she would never be seen again. Oh, the next time anybody sees her is January 15th when her body was found by Betty Bursinger. 
So how how long was that? She was MIA for about a week. Okay. The last known sighting of her was January 9th, and then she'd been off the grid a bit. They tried to do research at the time to, you know, to Mm -hmm. her last couple days, her last steps. There wasn't a lot found that week between the 9th and the 15th when her body is found. We're going to get into the graphic nature of the crime now. So, again, trigger alerts, just everything, except for animal cruelty, I guess. But Mm -hmm. this would bother you. Even if Either way. Yeah. Betty Bursinger, who found the body, would later say in an interview, I glanced to my right and saw this very dead white body. My goodness, it was so white, it didn't look quite like anything more than perhaps an artificial model. It was so white and separated in the middle. I noticed that dark and white and this white, white form. The victim had been sliced in two at the waist and completely drained of blood. Oh. Completely. They're... they're were drops of blood at this scene and her body had no blood in it which clearly lends itself to this was not the crime scene this was the drop no site. definitely not we'll get to that later too i could see how she could confuse that then with a man oh my the god the pictures it, in the photos the photos like the the waist down is like in one spot and then the waist up is like two or three inches over and her hands were positioned above her head. And just like how you would transport. And kind of like spread eagle. And just like how you would transport a mannequin. So I get it. Why they would, okay. why she would think. And, and again, there's no blood. Like this body was drained of blood. Some of her organs, again, since her, like her intestines had been removed and placed neatly under her buttocks. This, this feels very kind of Jack the Ripper to me, but this feels more like calculated, like Jack the Ripper killed at the scene where the bodies were found. Okay. Whereas this was definitely some things were done ahead of time. There also was a lot of uh, post-mortem stuff things done to the body. Uh. Pieces of her flesh had been cut away from her thighs and breasts. I know Charlotte, you hear the dog just went, Mm. yeah, it's just going to get worse girlfriend. So she is loving it. Pieces of flesh had been cut away from her thighs and breasts. The chunk of flesh that had been sliced from her thigh was later discovered to have a rose tattoo on it. So they, they cut know, off the rose? They don't or? know if, if that... Oh, okay. Her stomach... This is so fucked up. Her stomach was full of feces, leading some to believe she had been forced to eat it before she was killed. Not food. Her stomach did not have food in it. It had shit in it. Feces. So little human centipede actually she had to have digested it this is oh my god oh yeah you're thinking of it that way yeah this is so this is this case i i clearly have such a passion for true crime it shows but some cases really the the just disrespect and the horrific things there's my word that happened to this this woman this girl she was 22 the most chilling mutilations however I have a picture to show you of this. Mm. Were lacerations on her face. The killer had sliced each side of her face of the corners from her mouth to her ears, creating what's known as the Glasgow smile or the Joker smile. It appeared that most of the mutilations had come post-mortem. The pathologist would would conclude, excuse me, she had died from blows to the head and the loss of blood from the gashes in her face. So all that other stuff, and we're going to go through the autopsy mm. report here in a second, was done post-mortem. 
Near the body, detectives noted a heel print and a cement sack with traces of blood that had been presumably used probably to transport her body to the vacant lot. All right, we're going to get into the autopsy report. So grab a drink. Well, yeah, take definitely a, taking a drink here. I mean, come on. Terramana tequila. Mm. Here's what the autopsy said. Some of this will be repetitive, but we'll just mm-hmm. read through the list. The body was completely devoid of blood. Which is weird. There was minimal blood at the scene, just a few drops. The corpse had been washed with a mineral solvent, possibly gasoline. The body was drained of blood and then had been washed down with a solvent, potentially gasoline. Definitely didn't want anything left behind as far the, as like prints. Correct. The upper torso DNA anything, mm-hmm. which in 1920, you know, 30. Yeah, you have to remember the back of the Horatio Kane's not there. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. There's, there's no way there's <laughs> like CCTV or off. anything, you know? Yeah. Wearing his skinny jeans. We know who did it. Unless they found have the, some semen. Unless they're sitting there with it. <laughs> film camera well it's interesting how they identify her oh okay carry on the upper torso was horizontally (laughs) (laughs) english is my first language the upper torso was horizontally severed from the lower abdomen and legs so again we talked about that Mm -hmm. the report also talked where exactly between which vertebrae it was cut between two and three some people think it, it doesn't matter. Some think that it may play into who did this because it was very surgical and methodical how it was done. Very, maybe a doctor, mm. a surgeon. The upper torso's organs were still present and attached. Like I said earlier, though, the intestines had been removed and coiled up underneath the buttocks. There were injuries to the scalp and skull consistent with blood force trauma. Oh, this part like reading this the blunt force trauma and it was sliced up like geez both corners of the mouth were incised and elongated approximately four inches mm. the mouth incisions were made anti-mortem before death evident by bruising to the wound edges oh okay yeah because then she still had blood yeah take another drink Numerous postmortem cuts were made in, in a random order around her torso, pelvis, and legs, evident by the lack of the uh, bruising. That's how they could tell, you know, instinctually what was post versus um, pre-mortem, anti-mortem, sorry. There were anti-mortem, so again, pre-death, ligature marks around the wrist, ankles, and neck, indicating she had been bound or restrained before death. There was no semen or foreign trace evidence indicating a sexual assault. The general condition of the body indicated that the death had occurred approximately 10 hours before the body was discovered, making the time of death somewhere around um, the night over the evening between January 14th and 15th. Official cause of death was shock from the cerebral injuries, the head injuries Mm -hmm. and blood loss from the mouth. Blood loss from the mouth. I'm going to show you a picture of this is her before and we'll post this oh okay oh she is beautiful that's oh my god it's horrifying right it's hard to look at i i yeah i'm done looking at it the ensuing investigation was led by the la police department the fbi was asked to help and it would quickly identify the body so again up to this point they don't know who this is we do but they don't know Mm mm-hmm It took only 56 minutes for them to identify her, 
They used a primitive fax machine called a, using a sound photo, mm-hmm. a primitive fax machine, and they sent some blurry fingerprints and they were able to identify who she was. The young woman turned out to be, as we know now, the 22-year-old Hollywood hopeful Elizabeth Short. Short was identified because her prints actually pinged twice in the FBI massive collection, which that's crazy to think even back then they start, they had started to curate this database, fingerprints. Yeah. Well, because I always think of like a Beverly Hills cop when he's out there and he's like, oh, my God, you guys have a computer based program to find this. He's like, it would have taken 20 cops and multiple things in Detroit to figure this out. Yeah. So it's just and that's the 80s. And they're making that joke. And so imagine the 40s. Her prints actually appeared twice. First, because when she'd applied for a job at an army camp, this was when she was living with her dad. Second, when she got pinged for her underage. Oh, yeah. Because that was the thing to do when you got that. It was immediately take your fingerprints and photos. Yeah. This this is really fucked up, too. Her mother didn't know yet that her daughter had been deceased. And someone from, a reporter from the Los Angeles Examiner, telephoned the mom. So he overheard. And I don't remember exactly. I've read so many books and stories about this case. Somehow this reporter got tipped off what had happened. I think maybe he was at the scene. I mean, at this time too, and we'll get into this, the police department ended up in front of a grand jury because of how shitty they handled this case. Oh, boy. Even from the beginning, the the scene, they didn't tape off the crime scene. Reporters were just trampling around, taking pictures. Could he easily have been messing with everything? Exactly. Somehow this reporter learned who this was. And this piece of shit called her mother Phoebe and pretended to say that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest. So he calls the mom, says, hey, I'm calling from, you know, da-da-da, and your daughter just won a beauty contest trying to get information on a daughter. We're going to write an article about her winning this pageant, wanting to get all this information for their story. Wow. Yeah. Eventually, he has to tell the mom is like, okay, asking questions about the pageant. He eventually ends up telling her, this actually, this isn't why I'm calling you. Your daughter's been murdered. And that her corpse has been dismembered in unspeakable ways. The mom finds out about her daughter's death because this ambulance chasing piece of shit reporter calls her, lies and says that her daughter won a beauty contest and he wants to write an article about her. So he needs information about her. And then once he gets his information, just drops at the end. Psych! Your daughter is actually chopped up like a mannequin in pieces in an abandoned lot. There's a special place in hell for guys like that. Tell, or gals or wh- whoever the reporter Tell Jason is. and Kelly Cochran that we said hi. <laughs> yeah, that is that is horrendous. As the media learns more about this story, they begin to brand her a sexual deviant. Well, because the, they got to sensa- sensationalize the story, exactly. right? Even back then. Like, the headlines really? are ridiculous. The headlines are like, sexual deviant found dismembered. Like, okay, first of all, who gives a shit who she's fucking? Like, it doesn't matter. It's no one's business. One police report, the police report read this, by the way, not even the newspapers, the police wrote, the victim knew at least 50 men at the time of her death, and at least 25 men had been seen with her in the six days before her death. That, first of all, they couldn't even put, they couldn't reconstruct the last week of her life anyway. So, But now all of a sudden she's banging all these dudes, like, okay. Who's to say she was with them? She could have just went to the store and there was a bunch of guys at the store. Who cares if she is, though? Like, this is such a double standard, and I'm not going to get into a tirade on this, but, like, who cares? 
Oh, yeah. You think if it was a guy, they would be like, oh, my God, his penis had entered 400 vaginas, and uh, then he was found dead. No, he would have been getting high fives. Exactly. Anyhow. Well, you have to remember, this is the 40s. They're like, yeah, she was probably doing something bad. See? This This is what really got me. They also, there was an article said she was known to be a teaser of men. By who? Another person. Yeah, exactly. I would like to fact check this. <laughs> Another claim was that she liked to tease men because she was actually a lesbian. If that liar, liar, pants on fire website also, was around, they would know. Sleeping with who cares? Men, women, like who cares? Doesn't matter. Oh, she's a witch. Yeah, she's a witch. Dirty kitty. <laughs> In support of yeah. the L.A. police, the FBI ran records to start to try to facilitate some sort of suspect lead list. They conducted interviews across the nation. Based on early suspicions, they felt the murderer may have been a doctor because there is, you know, the dissection, the clean cuts, draining the blood. Um, They were asked to check out a group of students at the University of Southern California Medical School. Okay. Again, like I said earlier, this feels very Jack the Ripper. His cuts were very precise. He... Jack the Ripper, we'll cover that story eventually. I, we might need to just... Because I know of him, I just We might need I to go to a know. happy place after this case for a minute. Like, this was a lot, but um, we'll cover Jack the Ripper, but he, it was the same type of thing, and they never solved that case either. But his victims, the, the, the cuts were very precise and clean, and you know, he knew exactly where to cut and what to do for you know, immediate death. The first arrest happens, and who do you think it is? Red! Red. Red Manley. The gentleman God, who had dropped name. her off at the Biltmore Hotel on January 9th, the last time she had been seen. Manley later identified one of her shoes and a purse that was found near the crime scene. His alibis, however, were checked out and he was cleared of any wrongdoing. Well, how do they know? It was a whole week. On January 21st, <laughs> about a week after the body was found, the examiner received a call from a person claiming to be the murderer. This person said that he would be sending Short's belongings to them via mail as proof of his claim shortly thereafter on the 24th so three days later the examiner received a package that had short's birth certificate photos her business cards and an address book with the name mark hansen on the cover also included was a letter pasted together from newspaper and magazine clippings that read los angeles examiner and other los angeles papers here is dahlia's belongings letter to follow Wow, at first I was going to say there's already like the prank phone calls type deals already back in the 40s with that. But I guess we couldn't put it past the old uh, reporter that called it the mom. So, all right. This feels a little Zodiac killer to me with the letters and the cutouts. All these items, just like the body. No, I was just, you say Zodiac killer as you're wearing the Alcatraz sweatshirt. (laughs) This wasn't Zodiac killer San Francisco. I don't know. I mean, yeah, David Bort. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, I, watched, I need to watch that, that movie. That, sorry, that's why I, that's why I laughed because you were like Zodiac Killer, and I'm like, oh, Alcatraz. <laughs> Similar to the body, all these items would wipe down with a solvent or like gasoline, leaving no fingerprints on any of the belongings. There was a partial found on the envelope. It was damaged in transport, though, and never analyzed. Yeah, and, and it could have easily been the mailman or something, or a postal carrier. Yeah, but or was still. it delivered? Or was it delivered right to it from the possible person? No, it was in the mail. It was, it was in the mail. mail. Yeah. Okay. On January 26th, another letter arrived. This was a handwritten note that read, here it is, turning in Wednesday, January 29th at 10 a.m. Had my fun at police, Black Dahlia Avenger. 
The letter included a location that he, so he's claiming he's going to turn himself in. Okay. Can't doubt it. Police waited at the place and he never showed. Oh, he got cold feet. Afterward, he sends another note that was made of the letter cut out again. This was in his handwriting. And he said, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. Change my mind, of course. Again, everything that was sent was wiped down clean with what appeared to be gasoline. They could not lift any fingerprints. This, Jeez. this is someone who is clearly an, an intelligent person. Like if I was profiling, which is my dream job to be mm -hmm. an FBI profiler. Yep. This person is clearly intelligent. They're detailed. They're process oriented. They have some sort of, I would think, medical I wouldn't even say like a butcher, you know, like knife skills. This, this to me feels like somebody who's in the medical field who understands the the human anatomy. The also a narcissist. Well, because you need to be in the limelight. You yeah. have to send send your you know your letters and everyone's talking else. about me, but it's not me. Clearly, quote unquote. The LAPD had six main suspects, but very few good leads. What happened to the twenty five guys? Yeah. There was only one witness. The body had been scrubbed clean, and she had been missing again for days before her body was found. Missing for days, but was Which killed. is contradictory what because they're saying is. she was missing for days. Nobody knows what she was doing. But somehow we know that she was part of, you know... 25. Some deviant sexual behavior. Some 25 pass-along. The investigation is already cloudy, and people are giving bad leads. There's no leads. It's, it's kind of a dumpster fire. The city councilman, Lloyd Davis, offered a $10,000 reward, which today would be over $100,000 in our currency. Wow. So what does that bring out? We Every time we oh do this. Oh, my God. Any, anybody and everybody that thinks they know something but knows absolutely nothing. Law enforcement ended up with more than 150 potential suspects and more than 500 <laughs> confessions. Confessions. Confessions? It was such a problem that no one was ever charged with the murder. And there were actually some arrests in the case for obstruction of justice by false confessions. Oh, yeah. But why would they Why would they confess? Why would someone confess? There's a whole history on this. Sometimes it's under duress, like if you watch interrogation videos. Yeah, okay, I get that. Also, it's just people are narcissistic. They need to be important, insert themselves into an investigation. There's a whole science behind it. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't get it. Hey, I love me some meat, but I am not going to go confess to a murder I did not do. No, As I in, will confess to buying a pellet grill. Well, if you do, don't confess on a Friday because you'll be in jail all weekend and I'm not coming to get you. I'd like to have a few days to myself with the dog. <laughs> Sounds good. Where's what the about answer? You? Oh, he's on vacation. <laughs> yeah, you're, you even keep doing the quotes as you say vacation. He should be back Monday what? around 10.30 or 11 after his arraignment. K-Mac, why do you keep making quotes when you say vacation? Not Don't vacation. worry about it. As I mentioned earlier, the LAPD did not handle this case <laughs> glowingly. Understatement. And they were sent to a grand jury. At the time of the murder, the police department was a struggle bussing. We were coming out of World War II, oh, so okay. the the entire just society in general reacclimated. There's a lot like going that. on, you know. Not to mention the Zoot Suit riots. Throwback. It happened. There was a lot of inconsistency from the police department to solve any crimes. It was, there's a, this is a whole separate story. We won't get into it. But at this time, there was also what's called the Los Angeles horror murders, that were all women who had been grotesquely killed. Oh. 
and of course they're like, oh, well, they're sex workers, so whatever. You know what? I don't care what your job is. Yeah, Every that, life, it doesn't, matter, doesn't matter if you're in a... You gotta all, stop it. For all me. crimes deserve to be solved. They went to the grand jury and basically they just said, hey, listen, we're like super overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, it's a classic case of uh, having too much work and not enough people. Yeah, granted that did not fly and there were some major changes in the structure and the personnel within the police department. Should be. Let's get into some theories. And I would love to get your thoughts on these because I already know all these theories. I can also just edit out anything you say that I don't care about or no one else gives a shit about. Theory number one. As time went on and the case got cold, many people assumed that the Black Dahlia murder was a date gone wrong or that Short had run into a sinister stranger late at night while walking alone. Well, so theory one is it's a bad date or she literally was just wrong place, wrong time, walking alone at night. That's an easy theory to, to that, put out that's there. That's kind of a phone-in theory. Yeah, that is. It's a mundane, like, because, I mean, not to say it doesn't happen a, theory, a lot. My theory is that she was murdered. Oh, my fucking God. I don't, I don't know you if you're, I don't know if you're, if your theory will hold tight. Theory number one that matters. <laughs> George, I think it's Hodel is how you say it. H-O-D-E-L. Like I'm in the spelling bee. Hodel. H-O-D-E-L. Can you use it in a sentence? Shortly after his father's death in 1999, now retired LAPD detective Steve Hodel, again, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, was going through his dad's belongings when he noticed two photos of a woman who bore a striking resemblance to Elizabeth Short. After discovering these haunting images, he began using the skills he had acquired as a policeman and investigator to start to investigate his own dead father. He went through newspaper archives, witness interviews from the cases. He even filed a Freedom of Information Act to obtain FBI files on the Black Dahlia murder. Wow. Steve had a handwriting expert compare samples of his dad's writing to the writing of the ones that were sent to the press. Oh, boy. The analysis found a strong possibility that his father's handwriting matched, but the results were inconclusive. Because, well, you have to take into account what sample of handwriting did he have of his dad? Like, at what age? Because maybe, like, when he was younger, yeah, his handwriting sure. could have been a certain way. Like, you, like your, cursive, your handwriting, you, yeah, your <laughs> handwriting used to be nice and neat. Now it's getting a little now messy. Now I write, like, I think I'm a doctor, but I don't get paid. Well, that's paid. how I've been my whole life. But, no, I'm... I think there is a good theory in that why it could be inconclusive is because maybe he wrote a certain way and then it just as he got older a little sloppier. I don't know that that that's my theory. Just because on that I said theory. that you should give your feed doesn't mean you have to like talk. No, that means I have to give my feedback. <laughs> on the grislier side, the Black Dahlia crime scene photos showed that Short's body, that Beth's body, keep going between her her last name and Beth. I like the Beth as a uh, Elizabeth. Uh, name. I, I guess, like that. Not everything. Needs yes, it does. They found that Beth's body had been cut in a manner that was consistent. And I'm going to butcher this. Oh boy. With the hemi <laughs> hemicorporectomy. Looks like hemicorporectomy. I mean, if you say it really fast and just with confidence, then okay. people think you know what you're talking about. No, I think that would be it. This is a medical procedure that slices the body beneath the lumbar spine. His dad had been a doctor who attended medical school when this procedure was being taught in the 1930s. Okay. Additionally, he searched his father's archives at UCLA, finding a full folder of receipts for contracting work on his childhood home 
including the receipt dated a few days before the murder for a large bag of concrete, the same size and brand as the concrete bag found near Elizabeth's body, near Beth's body. So where does the concrete come into play with Remember the body? bag? So they found the bag next they found to the her bags. Oh, but body, not, which they okay, thought they okay, okay. had used to transport it. So his theory is that his dad bought this big bag of concrete, dumped the concrete out, and used that bag to carry her body Care, Okay, that's what it was. the All location right. of where she was found. Because I didn't remember you saying anything yeah. about concrete with her. No, thank you for the clarification. Word. Good point. It was the bag, not the concrete okay. itself. By the time he began this investigation, many of the police officers who originally worked on the case had already passed away. Oh, yeah. However, this he carefully reconstructed later. the conversations the officers had on the case. He compiled all this into a book called Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story. I read most of it. I think he does a pretty good job. His research is solid. There's good details. I also find it, though, pretty controversial in the fact that he's making some pretty giant leaps. There are some things, like what we just walked through, that seem, okay, I'm, I'm walking with you. On board. We got the bag. We have the medical history. The fact that her body had been cut in half using a procedure that was being taught at the exact time that his dad was in medical school. He also then throws some claims that his dad had ties to L.A.'s organized crime underworld without any evidence. He claims his dad had a good friend who was involved in the crimes, but there's no evidence he really goes hard to make us think his dad is an evil fucking asshole. Well, he also knows his dad better than we would. Right. But also, he's going hard to make everyone hate his dad. It just feels a bit heavier uh, heavier opinion than fact-based. Okay. Because well, he leans heavily on those first two things. There's a, then, the, the book is good. There's more than just those two yeah, things in the book. Because he, he has the major points, so he's got to try and fill in the pieces along the way. And, I mean, there is something to say about following your gut and your intuition. Real quick, when did this murder happen? Real quick. This Have you not been listening the whole time we've been here? Just, I'm, I'm covering my bases. Because, like, he did the, he published the book in 99? The murder happened in 1947. And then he started doing the research in 99? Yeah, when so his dad died. So 42 years later and trying to piece all this stuff together. Oh, I'm sorry, 52 years later. That's and he's bad. trying to piece all this together. That's... Yeah, that's uh, going to be tough. That's pretty impressive. I couldn't have done that math. Like, I don't have enough fingers and toes to get from 47 to I'd use my head and shoulders and knees and toes. He also says he found details from dozens of other murders that could possibly be connected to his father, implicating him not only as the Black Dahlia murder, but also as a deranged serial killer. Okay. While fact-checking the book, L.A. Times columnist Steve Lopez requested some official police files from the case and made an important discovery. Shortly after the murder, the LAPD, like I said, had six main suspects, and George Hodel, Steve's dad, was on their list. In fact, he was such a serious suspect that his home had been bugged in 1950, so the police could monitor his activities. Again, in 1950, so it's three years, because she was murdered in 1947. Mm-hmm. Much of the audio is innocuous. It's hard to understand. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's like. But one chilling episode um, exchange, excuse me, sticks out. At 8.25 p.m., th- this is the transcript, right, mm-hmm. of what was said. A woman screamed, and the woman screamed again. It should be noted the woman was not heard before the scream. Later that same day, George was overheard telling someone, realized there was nothing I could do, put a pillow over her head and cover her with a blanket. Get a taxi. Expired at 1259. 
They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they have, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Sounds fishy. <laughs> he continued, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. Oh, jeez. Even after the shocking revelation, which seems to support that George had killed Beth, and possibly also now his secretary, he was never formally charged, which, well, he's dead anyhow. Once mm -hmm. his, you know, So, I mean, technically, they did kind of shit the bed, though, because in, they had all this information in 1950, didn't do anything with it. He passed away in 99, so it doesn't really matter at this point now. Yeah. So, I mean, he didn't even do a deathbed confession or anything like that either. Mm -mm. The next theory is George Knowlton. Janice Knowlton, I'm going to, this one, I... I feel like this woman arrived on a UFO and Oh, I thought you were gonna say it was being vindictive and no, so saying it was No, him. there this this one I give very little merit to. I, and I like All right, I wanna hear it then. There's a lot of people, even her own family, who have since said this woman th there's no Did you know Chad from our previous story? Yeah, like this mean this lady means nothing. <laughs> Janice also believed that her father killed Elizabeth Short. She urged investigators to examine his property and told them that she witnessed her rage-filled father beat Short to death with a claw hammer in the detached garage of the family home in Westminster. Janice said that her father had been having an affair with Short and that Short was staying in a makeshift bedroom in their garage where she suffered a miscarriage. She said she was forced later to help accompany her father to dispose of the body. She said that they first tried dumping the corpse into the ocean by Seal Beach Pier, but that didn't sink, and they later disposed of it in L.A. Again, her sister... So or, um, took it cross-country? Her sister said that, that this isn't reality. They believe that Janice believes this. <laughs> Similar to Lori Vallow-Daybell, she also believed that her kids were zombies and that Rexburg was going to be the new Jerusalem. <laughs> There's also no evidence zero evidence i mean george his theory with his yep. dad okay you at least have um, something I'm, I'm tracking with you all right we i'm sorry steve who thought it was his dad george i got the names mixed up next theory <laughs> leslie dylan this is gonna be a 10-hour episode just of the theories in 2017 a british author announced that she had finally solved the case and published her findings in a book so I didn't read this book. She says the real culprit was Leslie Dillon, a man who police briefly considered the primary suspect but ultimately let go. However, she claimed that there was much more to the case besides the killer himself. According to the author, her name is Pew Eatwell. I don't know. We'll, we'll just say Eatwell because I don't. It means P I U. What a what a nice name, Eatwell. I'm sorry. I'm I'm butchering these names. I feel like a jerk. Hey, hey don't. Okay. Hey, okay. look at our last name. It's hard to say ours. According to the author, Dylan, who worked as a bellhop, murdered Short at the behest of Mark Hansen, a local nightclub and movie theater owner who worked with Dylan. Hansen was another suspect that had been eventually let go, and the owner of the address book. Remember the address yep. book? Yep. That's, why, Mark that's why. That's why. I saw that light yeah. bulb go off yeah, on yeah, your yeah. head. My eyebrows went up because I'm like, so Ooh, proud. You do listen. And super sleuth. I love it. He later claimed that he had given that book to Short as a gift, and that's why his name was on it. 
Oh, he was one of the 25 in the last Short week? had reportedly stayed with Hansen for a few nights, and he was one of the last people reported to have spoken with her before her death in a phone call on January 8th. The author alleges that Hansen was infatuated with Short and came on to her, though she rebuffed his advances. Then he supposedly called Leslie Dillon to take care of her. Hansen, it seemed, knew Dillon was capable of murder, but didn't realize how deranged he really was. Previously, Leslie Dillon had worked as a mortician's assistant where he could have potentially learned how to bleed a body dry. Oh, there we go. She also discovered from police records that Dylan knew details about the crime that had not yet been released to the public. One detail was that Short had a tattoo of a rose on her thigh, which had been cut out and removed. For his part, Dylan claimed to be an aspiring crime writer and told authorities that he was writing a book about the Dahlia case, which never materialized. Despite the evidence pointing to him, Dylan was never charged with the crime. The author claims he was released due to Mark Hansen's ties to some of the cops of the LAPD. Oh, okay. Which, quite frankly, from what we've read about the LAPD, <laughs> the LAPD in story, could easily have happened. I'm not going to think that that could not have happened. She believes the department was corrupt to begin with and also thinks that Hansen contributed largely to its corruption by exploiting his ties to certain officers. Oh, of course. So you have Mark Hansen, whose name was on the book. That, God, that one the killer so had mailed to the police. That seems like a good lead. He was trying to hook up. She wasn't having it. So he reached out to his homeboy, Leslie Dillon, who he worked with, that was crazy pants <laughs> and didn't realize how much of a lunatic this guy was and asked him to take care of her. I meant just drive her out of town, not, not, not do what you did. Another discovery that lent itself to this theory was a crime scene uh, found at a local motel. During her research, she came across a report by Astor Motel owner Henry Hoffman. The Astor Motel was a small 10-cabin facility near the University of Southern California. On the morning of January 15, 1947, so the same morning that her body was found, he opened the door to one of his cabins and found the room was covered in blood and fecal matter. In another cabin, he discovered someone had left a bundle of women's clothing wrapped up in a brown paper, which was also stained with blood. Wow. Instead of reporting the crime, Hoffman, the hotel owner, just cleaned it up. He had been arrested four days earlier for beating his wife and didn't want to risk another run-in with the police. Oh, here I thought he was going to be like, ah, room cover blood happens so all, all the time. first of all, fuck you for being a wife beater. And oh, second yeah. of all, you, you literally walk into one of these cabins that you own and rent out. It's covered in blood and fecal matter. The cabin next door has women's clothing in it wrapped in a brown paper with blood on it. And you're going to take it upon yourself just to oxy the shit out of that place and clean it. He's a double asshole. The author believes that the motel is where she was murdered. Eyewitness, I, eyewitness reports, though uncorroborated, oh, okay. claim that a woman who resembled Short was seen at the motel shortly before the murder. Her theories have never been proven. I don't know. I don't, that, this one I'm God, not... That's a good, strong case right there, too. She remains confident in her findings and believes that th- this is what happened. Yeah. This is the case. I... There are so many other theories that we could be here for hours. I I said I personally need to go just pet my dog and step out of this case and watch watch ourselves of this for a little bit because it's so intense. The murder has never been found, and given how much time has passed, there's really concern that it never will be. One of the worst, like we've had cases where obviously in the recent memory, like you can do the cell phone cell phone pings, you can do. CCTV and all that stuff. We have all 
we have all those ways of finding things out. Like we had the missing trio that was in, in the seventies and we have nothing, you know, to go on it. Mm. And that's still unsolved. So imagine 47. Yeah. That's going to be tough. I'm torn between the George Hodel, the first theory, yep. the son who thinks his dad did it. The, the second theory the woman who has an, an absolutely no proof. And yeah. Pass. I don't, I'm actually embarrassed. We gave that time to be quite <laughs> frank. <laughs> The Leslie Dillon theory where Mark Hansen had Dillon murder her, that one, I ha there's some things there that I almost want to say to put those two theories together. You, each of them have things. You're right. That's that's good. It's almost like if you could just Frankenstein both yeah. of them together. Because you have like you a, the bits and pieces story. of both that would really work well. But that guy's also an asshole for not, hey, room full of blood. Nah, nothing to see here. Yeah, you know what? Also... It, Eat shit to all of the journalists who like made her out to be the. Oh yeah, poor. they're assholes. A, who cares if she is sleeping around? Good for her. It's your body. Do what you want with it. And two, don't don't just disrespect someone who's just died. Also, you know who can go That's fuck the themselves worst too is the reporter who called yeah. the mom and yeah. lied. Right. You all remind me of the person who didn't put their cart back that I'm still pissed about. <laughs> There's a she, place for you all. She talked about it again last night. There's right? a special okay. place for you all. After all these years, I still get about one call a week, says LAPD detective Mitzi Roberts, who's been in charge of the case for about a decade now. Some are from people who've done a ton of research and have a theory. I get a lot of calls from people with repressed memories who tell me the killer was their dad or their uncle or their neighbor and so on. Then, and this mm. is a direct quote, then there are the real nut jobs who claim to have solved the case based on an astro astrological number or pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> they talked to Whoopi Goldberg from Ghost? Or? The legend grows. So that, my true crime family, is the case of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. The Black Dahlia. Wow. Still unsolved to this day. Again, there are hundreds of theories those I, the two that we just talked through i feel those are the the most researched and shared and i think have most merit also let this be a psa to all the parents out there don't piss your kids off because they could decide to frame you or say that you are a serial killer also journalists have a heart how about that have a little integrity a little and there are a lot of journalists that do but i know there are sad. it's the few assholes that ruin it for everyone before we sign off again we just want to circle back and pay our honor and our respect to the memory of elizabeth short beth beth betty i love beth to her family a lot of obviously her parents and some of her family um, are deceased but just want to make sure that we end bringing her name back to the forefront she was beautiful had a lot of life left to live, only 22, very young, and did not deserve what happened. We should have been seeing her in pictures and motion pictures. So with that... All right, edit that out if you want. I probably will. Yeah, that's good. I'll probably edit out most of what you right. say. Thanks, Beth. That's our case for today. Thank you so much for joining. Again, if you could please just like, comment, subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We look at them all. We really do, and your time, and just know how much we appreciate it. Thank you to our sponsor today, Timber Investments. Again, Tim, we love you. You and the fam, you're all fantastic. Great guy. Great people and a, a great company. Please remember to treat yourselves and each other with respect, grace, and dignity. I am the answer. I am K-Mac. Good, Good night. night.